Welcome to Over the Bar, a podcast about U.S. soccer. You could not write a script like this. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? DK! Weston McKinney puts the U.S. back on level terms. We're your hosts, Sumer Shamla, Noah Barnes, Nick Mansky. Boys, get your beers. Over the bar. Over the bar. Over the bar. Well, everybody, welcome back to a special episode of the Over the Bar podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Noah, and I'm joined here today by my lovely co-host, Sumer. Sumer, it's Friday. The U.S. men's national team played a game today. We lost 2 nothing against Japan. For those of you out there who don't know, Sumer, I'd ask you how you're feeling before our podcast today, but I have a feeling I already know kind of how you're doing. What a what a nice way to wake up and start my weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Super super excited, you know, to come into this, and mm, that was just ugly, bro. It was just not enjoyable to watch. The amount of times I sat in my bed and just saying like, "No, why?" Oh, it was countless. And, um, you know, there were some small flashes and I was like, please turn into something. Come on, you know, but it just didn't go our way starting early. But it was just, you know, when the game hit, it really hits when the, when the, when the referee blows his whistle and the game's over. And I'm just like, damn, like not a good showing at a good time. and just very upset by the performance and just, you know, a missed opportunity to hopefully, you know, it can still turn into something. But I think a missed opportunity to develop a little bit. No, I, I 100% agree. Um, and we'll get we'll get into it all, right? I, I think there's a lot to talk about with this game. But yeah, first, just, just kind of echoing what you said, it is uh, not a good way to start a Friday. I, at least you and I were able to watch it on, uh, at least you and I are on the East Coast, so it wasn't, wasn't horrible for us. But I know, uh, I know some people watching out there on the West Coast, uh, some, some, some big guys on the U.S. Twitter sphere watching out there on the they're, West they're Coast. Being ba- they're being babies, bro. Calm down, all right? Hey man, I wouldn't like they to wake up at it. five They must in the do it all morning. the time, though. They must do it all the time, though. That's what the time the Prem games are at. If you're True. watching Prem over there, then you're then you're waking up at, at this time as well. Um, if you're watching Bundesliga or Spain, La Liga, so I'm just kidding. It's definitely hard, but I'm just, I'm just guessing. I don't know, man. All I'm saying is waking up at five in the morning to watch uh, watch that performance wouldn't have been high on my bucket list. But we're here. We're gonna talk about it. I've got a beer because I need one, but. Um, it was, it was a tough way to start the morning. And I think it'd be one thing if, you know, we lost to nothing and, and played all right. Uh, that not, was not the case in this game. Uh, this was a 2 nothing game that could have, could have and, and very well should have been four or five, if not for Matt Turner. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of good feelings walking away with this. But there are some takeaways that I think we're going to try to hit today. But Samir, before we do that, you want to spend a couple minutes, we haven't done a podcast a little bit, a couple minutes talking about some, maybe some lighter stuff, some more positive stuff to come out of US sphere today or just this, yeah. this week in general. Yeah, before we dive real deep into the senior team, um, just wanted to talk about a little bit real fast, the youth teams that are going. Um, we've got three teams going right now, right? we got the 17s, you said US men's 17s, you get the 19s for the boys and also the um, 20s. Um, so we have three youth camps going on right now. 
it's really interesting to follow. I'm sure a lot of people watched the U20s come back 3-1 against, who was that, Peru, Peru on Wednesday. Yeah. So I you know, wanted to highlight that game. Some continued uh, strong performances from some players like Diego Luna coming off the bench and playing well. Um, Alejandro Alvarado, some people claim he you know, didn't play well, and I don't think it was his best, but still was impactful. And he's somebody who I you know, think is just always showing how even when he doesn't play his best, he can be super impactful to this team. Um, and, you know, the Philly boys, you know, Brandon Craig, Paxson Aronson, you know, Quinn Sullivan, they're all coming. Jack McLeod, you know, they're all, it's just there's a lot going on right now. And I just wanted to highlight some of those teams that are balling right now, some of those players that are balling right now. And uh, don't forget about these guys if you ever want a, a little bit of cheer me up in, in your day. You know, you don't have to watch all, to all you know, U.S. men's national team, right? There is some nice, pretty youth content going on. I think that's the one thing kind of, you know, and, and, you know, if you are just somebody who is a more casual U.S. fan and you flick this game on at, at 8.30 in the morning and, and saw the U.S. kind of get utterly dominated by Japan, I think the youth teams and their progress is something to really, you know, really look forward to and, and really kind of lighten the mood, not just for watching the play sooner, but I think it really is to know that, that you know, this is not the end with this team, with this 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 fantastic crop of, of talented players we've got right now, the most talent we've ever had in the U S men's national team. Uh, this is, it doesn't end here. It doesn't end after this crop of players. If you look at all these guys in the youth setups, you know, the U 17s, U 19s, U 20s, especially, I, I think there's a lot of talent that is coming through the ranks. And I think, you know, this is only going to be the starting point for us soccer. So that's something that is really, you know, kind of keeping me going today, looking and, and saying that, you know, this is going to be something that's pretty long-term. We've got guys for the future. I mean, this U20 squad is phenomenal. I, I, I basically takes the U20 squad that won the CONCACAF championships and is going to the Olympics and, and kind of just added some, some really nice pieces to it. I mean, we added Jonathan Gomez to this team. I think it's massive. Um, you know, adding Kevin Paredes to this team adds a lot. Adding yeah. Brian Gutierrez, who scored against Peru. Like, there's a lot to, to like about this U20 side right now and a lot to like about the U sediment set up in general, so. Oh, 100%. It's so important that, you know, while the senior team is in full swing for a World Cup in less than 60 days, this federation, I will say, is not forgetting about the youth right now and setting them up, you know, very strongly uh, for big tournaments to come with the you know, U20 World Cup and the Olympics and, and more. So there's so many good players. The development in this country has just, you know, grown so much that it doesn't even matter what this senior team does. There are People love this sport so much. There's so much content of it, especially with Europe, just, you know, in basically just all over the United States right now in terms of soccer that like, this is just not going to stop and it's just going to take over. And if 2022 is not the year, okay. You know, it, it, it'll come. We'll, we will take over eventually. And um, this is just the start. It's amazing to see, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think I want to do that just to get some of those positives out of the way, because it's about to get, pretty negative i would say no more positives i i mean well, well so we'll, we'll kind of switch i think you know let's let's stay on the positive train for a little bit but let's transition to this game today against japan so i don't know if you saw the stats um dominated i'd say that in quotes possession uh we had a possession advantage over them 56 to 44 i think that math adds up um but outshot by 10 and that's total shots i believe um and didn't have a single shot on target 
to their many. I'm not actually looking at the shot at the stats right now, but I know we were we were pretty much Boston everything but the possession stats. That tells you all you need to know about the game. Uh, tells you all you need to know about the game that our goalkeeper was the best player. But I'll flick it to you, Sumer. What were your initial thoughts, you know, coming off of this game as that full-time whistle hit? Yeah, I will say I, first off, thought Japan was, you know, really strong. I thought their six, Endo, I think his name was, Mm -hmm. was ridiculous. And some of their players were filthy. And I thought that they were going at another level compared to maybe Morocco and Uruguay um, in the last friendly cycle. But looking at the U.S. team and, you know, my thoughts after the match, like I mentioned before, I, I was super upset that this opportunity to play a top-tier team we really, really struggled against. And, you know, the optimism in myself comes out to say, okay, you know, it was not strong by any means today, but is this maybe, maybe a little bit of what they needed, you know, or is this, could, could this become a benefit? Can you turn this into a, a positive by realizing exactly how these teams play at this kind of level? Um, um, when they're actually going, you know, balls to the wall. But, you know, that's what I'm hoping for because this was so poor. This look at times, you know, just so unorganized. I saw a moment at the end of the game, new players, Johnny Cardoso was running back and I think he like made an arm movement to somebody else kind of being like, are you going to go get the ball or should I go get the ball? And then they proceeded to go down the left side. It was on the sequence that they scored and then they scored. And I'm like, bro, when they got the ball at the top there, there was confusion as to like, who should be pressing, looking at upset. Like it just looks so unorganized. Cardoso is new, but that's just one example I'm saying of today and how it just did not seem seamless. It did not seem clean. Um, we had possession of the ball. There were some spurts, little moments, but, you know, overall losing the ball that many times in, the, in your own half and giving up possession that many times and just looking unorganized is just going to lead to defeat against a team like Japan. And it's just upsetting. Yeah, I, I, I think disjointed was the correct word. And... It wasn't really one of those games where you could point to any particular player and say this player performed badly, this player, because they all did, frankly. You know, I, I think, I think there's, there's one player who can walk off that field with his head held high after today's game, and, and that'd be Matt Turner. Um, everybody else, nothing. And so, look. It's for me when every single player on the pitch looks bad and the subs that come on look like they're lost. And there doesn't seem to be any adjustments from the players on the field to counteract what the opposition is doing, to counteract what Japan is doing. To me, that, that doesn't, well, yes, it's on the players. It, it is, it is on, on the coach. And, and I think the first thing to, that I thought about today's game when, when, you know, final whistle blue was Greg did not get it right today by any means. It, it, the, the setup was not right. The tactics were not right. And I get that we're working with injuries, but if, if a few key injuries devastate us this much, I think there's some serious question marks and, and, it, and I'm a little bit anxious now. Yeah, I think about, you know, obviously Greg had his struggles today. I didn't love his tactical substitutions. I don't, you know, don't, they don't all have to be tactical. You know, some aren't test and see players, of course. Uh, but it just didn't seem to always just get so much better, you know, but I will say, um, you know, specifically thinking about like Matt Turner's comments after the game, um, if anyone saw those talking about how, you know, and also Greg to, to an extent as well, but Greg's of course going to say that it's different to hear a player saying we just didn't really fight, 
we just, there was no bite in us. Um, we just didn't come hard. And so that's the, the most annoying part because like that alone can increase your level, you know, significantly um, just because of how super focused you are into the, you know, into the match and into the, the play. So that is something that I was really just annoyed with, you know, was the fact that we just didn't look to have any fight in us for how together this group is, for how there's just nothing. There was, it was a very lackluster performance in, in, in overall. And just, I'm hoping that, you know, these kind of things we can learn that these you know, opportunities come so small that you can't let a game like that just go to waste and perform at a half speed. And so that was the most frustrating thing with me was hearing those comments by Matt Turner and then Greg as well. And just talk about a lack of personality and fight, like, come on, man, isn't that our, supposed to be our bread and butter? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that's, you know, that's an accurate assessment to some degree. I, I think obviously, obviously that intensity is something you want from your players and it's something we've come to expect from this group. And so to, to I not, just care a lot about that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No. And, and that is certainly something. And, and it's, it's a large part, I would agree. And not disagreeing with the, with, you know, Matt Turner's statements or even Greg's to a certain degree that, that this team lacked some fight today. Cause it did, it did. There's, there's no two ways around that second to every loose ball. And you know, there's, there's nothing tactical. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing tactical. There's nothing like personnel wise about being second to every 50, 50 about not being switched on about not being physical, right? That's, that's just how much you want it. That's that desire and fight. What I will say is I don't want this to be used. I don't want that to be used as a scapegoat by, you know, the staff around this team to say that that is why we were frankly dominated today, because I think that yes, while that's a factor, it was also, you got, you got three factors. You got lack of intensity throughout the whole team. You've got players that we know can do better, not playing up to the standards they've set themselves. Looking at, you know, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney specifically. And then you've got a tactical setup that, that frankly doesn't suit this team. You, you've got an over-reliance on a system that tries to fit players in rather than building the system around the players and being, you know, tactically flexible and adapt. And, and I think, you know, when all three of those things come together, you get a result like today, that it just looks so spineless and so lost. I, I, I echo that hundred percent. Um, you know, that you're stemming now to the deeper parts of why this is, the, why this result came. And it's just like, you know, this, the setup of the team clearly wasn't there. And the fact that these players are clearly of standards, you know, of very high standards, Champions League, Premier League, Bundesliga, and, you know, our, our national team coaches sometimes just not able to get that skill level out of them and still build this team after two and a half, whatever years he's been with this team now. It's, it's super frustrating because the whole thing was time, time, time. And, and you know, we're running stuff that, um, you know, we're – just doesn't seem to, to be clicking at this moment and this is when it needs to click and it's not and that comes down to um, the coach at the end of the day you know so it's a huge talking point that Greg is struggling in this moment with his team um, it looks like now it's just one game but we've been seeing you know eh, performances for a little while now we really wanted to see uh, a strong one here today against a, a quality opponent it just looked you know, like, uh, so many players just felt off today as well and it's just like you know, I, I, I definitely look at Greg as a part of the reason why they're not clicking is the system that he's setting up and the players he's calling. Okay. 
No, I agree. And and I think we could go into depth about that. I mean, I know I certainly could if, if that's something we want to do, but 100% agree that, you know, at a certain point, this isn't just on players underperforming. And that's not to say players didn't underperform today. Like I said, players that were used to performing didn't didn't perform at a level that was anywhere near anything we, we needed today. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think... I don't think there is... I don't think there's a clear answer, especially at this moment in time, you know, right before the World Cup, we're, we're not, this is what we're going to go out with. It's going to be whether or not we can, it's going to be whether or not things can change and, and players can play up to those standards and, and potentially we can, you know, get some, some, some good results here and there at the World Cup. But do you want to go into kind of what was wrong tactically, what you saw tactically, or do you want to go into like player, like positives and negatives, player performances? I don't, how do you want to go about this? Because there's a lot more to talk about here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really care which way we run this right here, but I will. I wanted to say one thing. On top of what you said, Matt Turner, before we start, because I assume a lot of our talk will be negative. Um, on top of Matt Turner performing well, another player I was, I did like some, some moments from, and I think that um, had he got on the ball more, we could have seen more of those moments. Uh, but was Reina, yep. Giovanni Reina, yep, and uh, you know, only played a half. You know, I think he could have even helped us in the second half a lot. But it looks to really be getting back to some form. Um, when he was on the ball, you know, he was, you know, there were times where he was adamant coming back to like Aaron Long and Tyler Adams, like, give me the ball. Let me touch the ball. Give it to me. Put it through me. His ball to Dest is what set up the Dest to Ferreira header chance that should have gone in. That was the, the sweeping ball. At first, I didn't see it. I was like, you need to be playing this ball into Sar-. He had two runners going into the box. He had like Sergeant mm-hmm. or Ferreira and someone. And I thought he was going to put it in space. And he, whips down to the other side into 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 perfect stride for Dest. Um yeah, there were some really nice moments from Rainy that I did like and I just wanted to highlight him specifically as someone I uh, did enjoy watching today. Oh no, I, I I for sure agree. Um I think if you were to name and I would usually like to do positives and negatives after these games. Um we can we can nail the positives out in two minutes. I think like you said Gio Reyna is is a slight positive. Um you know was was kind of I wouldn't go with a full positive because I still don't think he was great. I still think he could have done well to get on the ball more. Um, but yes, when he, when he had the ball at times, I think absolutely. I, I liked what he did with it. Um, same can sort of be said for Serginho Dest. I thought wasn't, a, wasn't terrible in the first half. Um, even though, you know, the goal did come from his man, but I think there's other reasons for that rather than Serginho Dest not tracking back. And then there's Matt Turner. And I think those are the three potential positives and Matt Turner really is a positive today um we can we can briefly touch on that and say uh, at least for me Matt Turner answered the question for us today as to how sharp is he going to be having not really played much for Arsenal and it looks sharp he looks sharp he looked good in the air in terms of you know coming and claiming crosses and things like that his shot stopping was phenomenal um his foot skills don't look to have improved at Arsenal but at least we know he's not going to be a liability between the sticks. And that is, I think, the number one thing you want to get from your goalkeeper. So I was very happy with the Matt Turner performance today. I think he validated a lot today. And, um, you know, he is going to be supposedly start playing some of the Europa League games for Arsenal, as he already has. So that'll be, and that's going to be weekly. So that's a really good opportunity, almost once a week, to be playing. I think that these moves to, to clubs where you don't play um, really take their toll later in that process. Early on, I feel like Matt Turner is just, you know, flying with, you know, 
super focus and energy and excitement that everything's just amazing, that this training is just phenomenal, that I'm playing it all is even amazing and everything is just super great and he's getting better. Um, and so the World Cup coming in November in that process, I think it's you know, really helpful for him. Had the World Cup in next, in next November, I'd be a little bit more annoyed. I'd be like, damn, it's been you know, a year and a half since he's started two games in a row type of thing. So um, Matt Turner did a lot today to prove that he's you know, got it. Definitely. No, agreed. Um, that's pretty much all we got for positives. I think rather than going into negative scenario, let's do a little bit of a com- combination here. Let's go kind of position group by position group. And, and talk about what the issues were. Um, because I think every position, every player from here on out is a negative in some regards. So let's just go position group by position group. Talk about what we saw and, and what needs to improve. Um, starting with the back line. Back line started at, in this game as a center back pairing of Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman. Serginho Dest playing on the right and Sam Vines playing on the left. At halftime, I believe, that was a double change. Mark McKenzie came in for Aaron Long, and, and Reggie Cannon came for Serginho Dest. First takes on the back line. What, 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 did, what was the issue today? I mean, initially, I was really excited to see – I missed, you know, always was excited to see Sam Vines get the start um, and get this opportunity to show his left-back skills. Um, a lot of what happens in the back line is – very much intertwined obviously this is just an obvious statement but with the midfield and with the forwards and the ability to play out the back is not solely on center backs because uh positioning and spaces and, and movement is super key as well but i thought the back line uh specifically the center backs struggled a lot with just their distribution their clean flow from side to side even um you know it just looked lacked cohesion. And I guess, you know, having Sam Vines and Aaron Long, you know, who probably, when was, have they ever played together? You know, that's a new partnership, but they just lacked any kind of um, cohesion, any kind of stronghold. There was no like, oh, I feel confident when they're driving in our defense. Matt Turner has to make so many saves and then they score a few. It, you know, Reggie Cannon coming in did not provide anything going forward or any distribution. You know, almost when we were in possession, he was like part of a three. His second half, he did move Sam Vines up the field a lot. Um, but overall, just the defensive performance was not anywhere near to my standards in terms of just control of the game and then also just the distribution of the play and starting the attack. I have, you know, people make mistakes. We're going to lose some balls out of distribution. Or, you know, there's going to be times. But this, the, today was you know, exceeding the, the number that I'm okay with, for sure, in terms, of, you know, in terms of keeping. I don't know how we kept 58% possession. Uh, when we lost the ball. So. Well, because it was a lot of passing, you know, it was just a lot of passing back and forth between the center backs. Uh, you know, that's that's where Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman racked up their passing numbers today by passing it back and forth to one another. Yeah, I did like Mark McKenzie a little bit better. There were a few. Two, two, times. I think he, I, I think he still made some mistakes, um, you know, and just trying to do too much. But like, there were good moments from him rather than I didn't see any good moments from someone like Aaron. I, I thought he looked, I thought Mark McKenzie looked good defensively. Um, better, better defensively. And I thought Walker Zimmerman looked better in the second half and playing against or playing with, with Mark McKenzie. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot to, to, that I would echo about your statement there. Look, what it comes down to me is that Japan's pressing scheme was fairly simple today. It was fairly straightforward. Uh, they weren't pressing our center backs at all. And we're, we're letting them attempt to play into midfield 
and letting them, you know, attempt to play out wide. And Sam Vines was, was in the first half, not getting up the pitch at all. Des was trying, uh, but Luca De La Torre was often shunted out wide. And so a lot of the time, what that meant is both Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman were trying to find Tyler Adams in the center of midfield to start the breakout. And Tyler Adams is man marked by two people. Obviously, you know, this is, this is also an individual performances thing, uh, especially when it comes to guys like Weston McKinney, because uh, usually, you know, I think Weston, while it's not his strong suit being able to build out from the back, I think can do it to a degree. But I think what it, break, what it comes down to is, is that you can't play a ball-playing style, passing out of the back style, intricate buildup from your own third with two center backs who are not asked to play out from the back with their own clubs and a six in Tyler Adams, who is not really asked to play out of the back with his club, at least not as a lone six. And, and yet it feels like they're shoehorned into this style. Our, our three best ball playing center backs are two of them are left out of camp and one of them's hurt. Our fourth is our fourth best ball playing center back is on the bench. So we have our, our two starting center action. And, and, you know, this is no disrespect, especially to Walker Zimmerman, because I think he's put in a good shift and I think he is good defensively and has markedly improved with his feet. But when you put all of these guys in a system that doesn't suit their strengths and ask them to play to that system, for me, that, that was the big issue today. It was too, way too easy for Japan to just pick off balls in the midfield and to pressure Tyler Adams, right? To pressure Walker Zimmerman, pressure Aaron Long. It, it, it's just, I don't know. Not the, the system was not set up for success. And then, you know, nothing really changed in the, in the second half. To a degree, it did with Mark McKenzie. And, and to a degree, I think some things changed in the second half with Luca Della Torre dropping a little bit deeper. But for me, it's yet another case of shoehorning players, either shoehorning players into a system that doesn't fit them or not selecting the correct players for a system you want to play. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And for me, it's very, you know, this game um, showed me that I do not feel confident at all and validated my thoughts in a partnership of Aaron Long and Mark Zimmerman. They won in the World Cup. Um, I think potentially one of them, specifically Walker, could be paired with somebody else and made to look better, um, specifically Walker. I just don't feel confident in Aaron Long and Walker. I think they're two similar players, like, we, like you mentioned. I think that they both have deficit. You know, they both struggle at the same things. They're both good at the same things. There's no variance. You know, we don't have you know, a little bit of togetherness. It's just I learned today even more. That's not what I want. I hope a lot of people saw that. I hope that Greg saw that. I hope that Greg saw that this, you know, I may love these two, and I may think that they're both competent defenders, but that partnership right there um, is not the same as it used to be. And that's not what we should be running week one at Qatar. That's you know, my major takeaway from, from the, the back line. And, the, you know, obviously, Sergio's not going to do it. You know, Sergio's spot is locked, but he didn't play amazing today. And Sam Vines was trying to show a lot at left-back position. First half, he had to go, you know, he was six yards away from every air long pass because after the first one, that got taken, that got stripped out of his way. Um, he just never got up the field, never looked to combine really too much. Second half, he did look to combine. He was going up the field looking to find you know, Brendan Aronson in the middle or something. Um, but, yeah, the center backs was my biggest problem. The outside backs, Sergio was a little bit consistent and saying, 
you know, he's trying his best, but maybe a little bit of opportunity as well for him at times. Definitely, definitely. Um, midfield. Started the midfield with a, a midfield three of Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Luca De La Torre. I know we touched a little bit on Adams and Weston already in their roles within the build-out, but putting poor performances aside, because poor performances from both of them today, uh, Weston McKinney, I think especially, deserves a lot of, of criticism for his performance today. It was, it was lackluster, lacks a day's goal, and, and frankly, just not up to the standard that Weston has set. And, and I think part of that is for the injury. This happens to Weston sometimes, where he, when he's coming back from injury, he just takes a while to really get going. But the bigger issue for me today with the midfield wasn't, um, wasn't personnel. It was tactics. It was that because the center backs were not able to pass, and just kind of Japan was allowed and not able to, to pass into the midfield and then not able to progress the ball when given space with their feet. Um, Japan was able to just kind of sit in with the block of three and, and pressure every pass that came into the midfield. And even when it kind of dropped to a double pivot of Tyler Adams and, and Weston McKinney trying to help with the build out. I mean, those are two guys whose strengths are not dropping deep and helping with the build out. Tyler Adams strength is not, as much as he's improved at Leeds, his strength is not, you know, picking a pass, breaking a press. Weston McKinney's strength is not really passing under pressure in general. It's, it's, it's energy and being a late arriver in the box. He's much better up the field. But what were your thoughts on the midfield, at least, you know, as it started? I, I had some of the same points as you. I think it stressed for me, um, the need for Luca or somebody to be that double pivot with Tyler, uh, you know, the, the necessity for that. I think that not even, I don't think people should, should think that doing that is, is a negative. If that is how your team best flows or is set up or can allow attackers to be more free, you know, if that, if that's what it is, that's what it is. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're, you know, now we're not going to be a good team because we're putting one more set of defensive men. It's not even a defensive man. You're just changing kind of, you're moving one eight to a six a little bit. I just think that that would be that is necessity necessity for this team yeah? and for Tyler Adams in the midfield um, to take a little bit of pressure and, and man marking off of him to allow some more open spaces and, and you know, passing lanes in the middle. Um, that was the main thing for me that I noticed because Luca did go out wide a lot. I mean, they do this pretty often. And Eunice does this too. You know, Eunice, this is kind of what he likes to do is move one outside back really high up the field and swing out the, the six or the eight and uh, change up the, just the dynamics of the midfield information. But it was, it was definitely poor today from, from them. And, you know, like, like I just mentioned, some of it was tactics, of course, but um, some of, some of what you said, is just Weston not, not there right now at his top, top level. Um, Tyler has been playing well in, 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 in England, but today, you know, was, it was just the whole team was on him. So you can just say for from so for every player, it's hard to think. I don't want to keep repeating myself on each one. Luca, I thought, struggled at times as well. Um just looked a little bit. I don't think he's off the pace, but he looked a little bit off the pace a little bit at times. So overall, the midfield, I love the midfield. I think that the personnel, like you mentioned, is 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 very strong. And I think that these three 
are should be competent midfielders for us to start in the World Cup. I think that, like you mentioned, the, the way we set up was poor, and just the individual performances themselves on top of that didn't help the situation. Do you think it's a matter of – because I saw a lot of takes on Twitter today that, you know, Yunus Musa played himself into a lock starting role by, by not playing today. And, and I don't know. Do you think that's the case? I mean, that was always going to happen when someone in front of you plays bad or the, or, or the team doesn't perform. People who are not there that people like will then get tossed in. You know, like if Chelsea starts playing bad, everyone's like, well, see, you know, Willis can do it. You know, same thing. Thing happens, but for me, I'm I'm very I'm very high on Eunice, and I think that he should be starting. You know, of course, um, for me in my midfield, in I think that if you want to change up the style and go Aronson Aronson Arena, okay, maybe we can have a discussion with, about who's coming out. But I love Eunice Musa in the midfield. I don't think he changes everything today. But yeah, I was good. That was my next question for you. Does does it say put you in a say no. I hope you just moves that comes in for Luca De La Torre today, or if you're even for Weston McKinney, does that change the result today? No, it doesn't change the result, but I think that he's just such a strong, I think he's a stronger player at times based on who we're playing um, than Luca De La Torre in this lineup. For that, for what we ran out there, that's who I would replace him for. Sure. And I just think that he could have, that he's a stronger player than, than what he can. Is, is influential to this team. No, I, 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 I definitely agree. Um, that Eunice could have, you know, potentially provided a difference today, but I, I, I really do think that as a whole. What would have, what about him would have provided the difference? Would it have been his ability to, you know, be pressed from behind and on the ball and just weave out of players and, and drive up the pitch? I mean, of course, but like, what, why, why would Eunice have been? I think Luke. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. I think you know, if there's one thing Eunice could have done that would have been a direct upgrade, I think over anybody on the pitch today, um, it would have been. I think he is, is, is stronger on the ball, and by that I mean physically stronger, than Luca De La Torre. Uh, I felt like too often today Luca was getting physically bullied off the ball, uh, um, and that's something that I don't think I've seen with Eunice either with the U.S. or with, uh, with Valencia. He just seems to, especially this year, seems to be a stronger player, seems to be uh, more physically adept. I think they both have, have fantastic dribbling skills and, and fantastic press resistance skills, but I think Luca today was especially weak. Uh, when it came to the, the press. Um, same thing could be said for, for, for maybe a guy like Brendan Aronson too. Um, and, and I think, you know, Weston McKinney today, chalk it up to off day, chalk it up to injury, whatever. Eunice would have been a direct upgrade on almost everything from Weston McKinney today. Uh, Weston, probably one of the worst players on the pitch. But do I think that would have changed anything? No, because I think there's, there's still every chance that Eunice Musa would have been shunted out wide in the first half, like Luca De La Torre. That Eunice wouldn't have been able to drop in next to Tyler, wouldn't have been asked to drop in next to Tyler from a tactical point of view, and and help with the build out. I I, I just I think while it maybe would have been a, a bit of an individual upgrade in certain aspects, I don't think it changes much because for me that the tactical setup was off. For me, I love Eunice because I and I don't know if this is a real word, but I don't mean to have like sizeism, you know, I don't like prefer, I don't look at size all the time, but mm-hmm. Eunice Musa's ability to, when something's not going well, use pace, strength, you know, that he, he almost can unlock defenses simply by that. Um, and, you know, just seeing some players like Luca and Weston today get kind of bodied off, uh, specifically Luca, 
just it made me think so many times Eunice is probably God that guy right there you know and then we're off and what I'm trying to say is like his athleticism alone sometimes in the midfield and this is something we say with Weston a lot too but Eunice's athleticism in the midfield is it it allows him to do more sometimes than others and it's super helpful to him could have been helpful today mm-hmm. no I, I think so um other midfielders that came in were Malik Tillman and Johnny Cardoso, right? Just those two, yeah. Just yeah. just Malik Tillman and, and Johnny Cardoso. Um, not really on the pitch long enough to make many impactful moments. I, I really don't remember seeing Malik on the ball hardly at all. Um, I thought Johnny had a couple decent defensive moments, couple nice passes out from the back here and there, but again, not really, uh, not really something that I think is a is a focus from this. Didn't see them in many opportunities to like show anything. I thought, uh, like you said, Cardoso had a few decent moments. Cardoso, but I also, you know, like I said, on the goal, he was all confused about where to go. Uh-huh. Um, there were also some poor moments. But yeah, it just didn't seem like they had enough. They didn't even have enough opportunities to showcase something. We didn't get Malik into space, you know, you know, rain a kind of little pocket in front of the back line. It, it, we just didn't see anything. So that alone is a negative, but. Right. Let's move to the forward line then. Um, I wouldn't say this is the most negative aspect of of the performance today. I wouldn't say that that the forward line is the most negative aspect of the performance today, mostly because they really didn't get involved. Um, But to a degree that, you know, that is, that's a negative in and of itself. So starting front three of Giovanni Reyna, Brendan Aronson, and Jesus Ferreira. Brendan playing on the left, correct? Or Gio playing on the left? Which one was it? I don't remember. Gio was on the left. Gio on the left and Brendan on the right. Um, yeah. Thoughts? I think the very clear elephant in the room is the Jesus Ferreira miss. Hey. Missed a, a wide open header from uh, six yards out. Uh, great ball in from Serginho Des. This is when the game was still nil-nil. Um, Bro. He has to score this. Come on, man. Like, you changed the shape of this game, bro. You need – that has to go in the back of it. That has to. And I watched it back so many times. You see – I'm sorry, I had to cut you off. Like, oh, my God. Of course, it happened so early on, too. And, like, this is his trademark. It's just, like, you're so freaking good for Dallas, but, like, can you help us here besides Panama or Trinidad, please? And God, he had this opportunity right there. It was a brilliant attack. That was one of those chances. There were some chances that were created, um, even though we had no shots on goal. This was one of those. And man, he, he, he really butchered it. Um, I was so upset. I, I want him to do well. I'm a huge fan of him. I think he could fit, maybe. I love that he's balling in MLS and he's going to go to Europe and hopefully ball somewhere else. That idea, you know, it's awesome. Please do it for this team, bro. Please do it for the for the U.S. Especially when you get a free header. Was it inside the six or was mm-hmm. it out the six? No, it was inside was the it? six. Well, do you think it was too high? Some people are saying it was too high. No, he jumped early. He jumped early, and I thought if you look at it, he I think he focuses so much on whipping his head um, that he puts it over. It hits him right in the forehead. It looks like. Yeah. And uh, look, a top I, class a top class striker puts it away. I, I for me, a pure striker, a pure number nine puts it away. And I know, you know, 
we've gone back and forth on this, uh, both, you know, you and I and Nick, as well as some of the other folks that help us out with the, uh, the, the podcast on here. Shouts out Andrew Trevez one time. We've gone back and forth a little bit um, about whether or not Jesus Ferreira is a nine. And look, it's moments like this. You can score all the goals you want for Dallas. You score all the goals you want against, you know, MLS defending and goalkeeping, which as much as I love the league, sometimes we all know isn't the greatest. If you can't do it when the competition is raised, when the level of the opposition is raised, then, then I have question marks and I'm going to have question marks. You know, this is to take nothing away from Jesus Ferreira as a talent. I, I think Jesus Ferreira is a very talented player and I think will go on to have a successful career in Europe. I, I do like so much about what Jesus Ferreira brings to this team. I think he's, he's a very, very clever player in this movement. He's a very, very technical player, which I love, but he's not a finisher. He's not a finisher. And, and you know, top scorer in MLS, don't really care. You've had enough opportunities now to, to do this with the national team that you're not a finisher. And yet we keep trying to shoehorn Jesus Ferreira into a lone striker role, which I get that he's playing at Dallas too, but it's a different level of competition, man. It's a different level of competition. I don't know, man. Sporting Kansas City is up there with the best. You know, San Jose, uh, those teams are balling. But yeah, man, it's super frustrating. Super frustrating to just have it happen again. You know, it would have, and it, it's so, it's so uber looked at, so microscope looked at because, you know, people talk about it all the time. One, you don't get that many times to play with the national team. Two, you don't get that many times to score with the national team, even if you are a striker. And so for you to continue to see kind of miss opportunities like this when there are people, you know, running at your neck makes it even bigger. And mm-hmm. so it just adds to the to the speculation of like what could other players do. Now Sargent did get a run in it in the second half. Um, I didn't you know, I didn't you know necessarily see anything I was too impressed actually by Sargent, which was kind of annoying. Um, there were a few times that he did get on the ball and you know, whatever. But back to Jesus, it's just like, you know. It doesn't help your case. It doesn't help your confidence at all. Because now just more people are talking about his negativity and not what we want from our supposed starting line as we're going in. Right. Come on, man. The, that kind of chance has to go to my No, definitely. And, and I think you, you kind of had it spot on there. Um, players miss chances. It happens. Jordan Peefock, you know, cue Jordan Peefock against Mexico. You know, players miss chances. But it's a repeated pattern now with Jesus Ferreira. Even against Grenada, where he scored five goals, he should have arguably had seven. Like, there are the, he, chances and chances and chances over and over and over. And at a high level at the World Cup against England, you're going to have to bury the one chance you get. There's a very, very high likelihood, right, that this game against England comes down to, you know, us getting a point or potential three points against England comes down to one chance, one chance, one clear cut chance, one opportunity. There's always one opportunity in a game. You need a striker who is going to take the most out of that. And right now I just don't feel confident that Jesus Ferreira is the guy to put the one chance in the back of the net. Sure. You Jesus Ferreira, five, six chances. He'll put one in the back of the net. He's done it for Dallas all year. You know, five, six chances a game. Dallas is a dominant team. He'll, he'll score two goals. Can you rely on him to be, the one guy and the one chance to put it away. That's, That's the question. Fun. That's the question. Yeah, and it makes 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 the PFOC stands, you know, stand back up 
uh, you know, now they're jumping and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see who gets the start against Saudi Arabia. I don't think it'll be Jesus. Um, hoping it's not Jesus, whether it's PFOC, uh, no, PFOC God, whether it's a uh, Pepe or Sergeant, give one of them the start. I think so. And they'll be next to Pulisic, hopefully, and one of you know, Reina again. So whoever is starting in that game could potentially be getting, you know, a really good chemistry test. Um, but I'm still thinking about PFOC. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't stop thinking about that man. And I also <laughs> don't stop thinking about um, Aaron Johansson. Love it. Love me some Aaron Johansson. Really do. That man is still tearing it up in Iceland right now. Call him in. Um, yeah, the, and then, I mean, not much to say about the wingers. I think Brendan Aronson was off today. Just like I said, kind of similar to Luca Del Torre. was trying things and just was not strong enough. Um, the one thing, the one battle we thought we were going to win with Japan today was the, the physical battle. Japan is not a very physical team. They're a very technical team. And we lost the physical battle quite, quite rampant today. And that's where I kind of come back to Matt Turner's comments saying like, yeah, there wasn't enough fight there. But uh, Brendan, I think, was at least tenacious and trying things. I mean, the man was probably the most foul player on the pitch. Getting better. Hmm? So he was getting battered. Oh, he was. He was, he was getting absolutely clattered throughout the most of the game. And one Brendan of them should have been foul. red. One of them should have been red. It should have been. Uh, that use of, of VAR was, was baffling. Um, how, how are the commentators... The comment, the, uh, John, it's John Strong, right? Or John Champion and uh, Taylor. They literally yeah. said they asked, Do, is there going to be VAR? And they said no. And then what, what a... If you're, that must be crazy. Commentating an international game and all of a sudden... All of a sudden it's you, just toss on you? You're like... A quick quick note on that, just from some some weird stuff. And I know I tweeted this out too um, from the OTB account that while like the first Japan to go, the first Japan goal was probably it definitely was on sides, and it was definitely deserved uh, based on the pattern of and balance of play. It was called off sides in the field. Um, why are we using VAR for a friendly? Like like why does it matter? That's like, I was just very confused by that. The goal, well-deserved and, 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 you know, the result, well-deserved, but why are we using VAR for friendly? Yeah. I wish that, I wish you did. I wish they would just kept it offside. I don't care about if it was actually onside, but whatever. Yeah. Just, just very, some, some strange, some strange things, but um, look, let's pick it up for uh, the next game against Saudi Arabia. Let's do it. It, it. It's time. We have 90 minutes left to prepare for the World Cup. Let's do it. I, I have a lot of anxiety about this team. I have a lot of anxiety as to, you know, whether or not we can create chances and, and score goals. It's something that we've struggled with basically throughout the entirety of, of Greg Berhalter's tenure. Uh, even when we were winning the Nations League and winning the Gold Cup, we were struggling to score. We won nothing our way to a Gold Cup victory. And, and that, you know, there are signs here that this team is going to struggle to score goals. There are signs in Greg Berhalter. It's always been. I mean, he was fired from a Swedish team for, for lack of offense. Uh, can we get the best out of these players, and, and is it going to be with this system? It's going to have to be for now. Yeah, it is. I was literally going to say that. It's going to have to be. Um, but, you know, you, you hit it with a you know, nail on the head. This team, you know, I just I really hope that we're able to make it work with Greg because just the last two years have been, you know, there's always, there's been ups and there's been progress and there's been down progress and there's been down and it just has always lacked goal scoring. Um, so 
the, the ability to not now not have a number nine. I just you know, I'm really hoping that Saudi Arabia gets better. And this game is so tough for so many players and just made me so less optimistic about this team, about this coach, um, that we're going to somehow make it work. Because that's what I've been holding on to is that this team will make it work. This team, this team has enough players. This team has enough brotherhood and, and vibes and, and quality to get me. And talent. And uh, yeah, and high end talent. talent, high end talent bailed us out last summer. There's, there's yeah. for me, there's no question about that. Nations League final, we were out coached and out gunned, but high end talent bailed us out. Yeah, I'm hoping that it does the same thing. Come it's gonna have to. It's gonna have um, to uh, because it's at this point, Samara. Oh, sorry. At, at this point, it's it's not going to be the tactical setup. It's not going to yeah. be the coach. Yeah, um, so I was going to ask, you know going away from today, what specifically, if anything, do you want to see against um, Saudi Arabia? You know, is there anyone or anything? It's, it's a tough one for me, right? Because so what I want to see is some tactical flexibility. Um, you know, this is going to be one of those games. Japan was, it was there going to be one of those games too, that like you're going to need to break down an opposition. Now, Saudi Arabia are probably going to come out and sit in a bit of a lower block than Japan. Uh, Japan had their line of confrontation just over our half. Would not surprise me at all to see Saudi Arabia set up their line of confrontation just into their half. So it's going to be a bit of an exercise in breaking down a lower block. Um, but look, it's going to be the same thing. It, it's, it's Can we get some creativity through the midfield? Um, can we get our wide players into the game in dangerous situations? If you want your wide play, players playing narrow, can they provide support to the striker? And, you know, can we defend in transition? Those are the three questions that we're going to have to answer. This is going to be a very similar game to what I think a lot of people are expecting the Iran game to be and potentially even the Wales game. Um, yeah, it's going to be an exercise in patience, but... What I want to see is the ability for this team to, to play fluidly, to generate space, and, and to have some tactical flexibility. I don't want to see another Canada game in World Cup qualifying, right, where we have 65% of the possession and, Greg, and lose one nothing or 2 nothing, and, and, and Greg comes out and says we dominated the game. I don't want to see that again. And that's the result to avoid here. He's got no, got no. Um, yeah, of course, those are, uh, you know, I echo those points and what I want to see with this team. I will say, if I was to think about some players on the other side that I would be interested in seeing, and it's counteractive because, as you mentioned, I don't even know if counteractive is the word, but um, you mentioned that these Saudi Arabia is what we kind of expect a little bit from Wales and Iran, potentially, um, Iran and Wales, potentially. So, you know, it would be important to see some of our players that we really think we're going to be playing in those matches. But if I'm thinking about players that I would be really interested in to see get a shot here, I think Pepe, of course, you know, he gave Ferreira a chance today and he gave Sargent. I'd be totally fine with Sargent, but the fact that he didn't play Pepe today and obviously we know he rates him so highly makes me think that he's going to get this run in here. And who am I to say, right? I just, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's some American dude who grew up in, you know, Madagascar. If you can be the starting number nine, then I'll be happy. All right. So if you're going to go out there, Pepe, ball out, and I'll be happy. That's one player I'm thinking of. And I don't care if he goes out there and balls out. I'm not going to be mad if he does. No, no, no. Another, I do yeah. think that a lot of the issues offensively go beyond the nine, per se. But yes, 
You're correct. Yes, of course. But I just would like to see someone play in that position and then succeed and have cohesion and chemistry with the outside wingers and just maybe score them. Um, another player I will think of also is Scally, Joe Scally. This may be a game. I mean, where you going to start seeing Vines again? Like, you know, I think it'd be more impactful, more important to give Scally a look here again at left back and see how that looks. Um, so those are two players off the top of my head that I'd potentially really like to see against Saudi Arabia. I would like to see, I would, I would add to that Eric Palmer Brown. Um, I think Eric Palmer Brown is a little bit different and unique in the center back pairing or the center, the four center backs here um, in the sense that not only is he good with his feet in terms of passing, he is a great ball progressor as well. It reminds me, he reminds me of a, of a less polished Joel Matip, who's a little bit shorter, obviously, but in the sense that, you know, Eric Palmer Brown oftentimes steps into midfield for Trois. And, and plays as kind of a six. We, we've seen James Sands do that with the U.S. setup before as well. So I think that um, Eric Palmer Brown could potentially be a difference maker in this because you look at today, one of the main issues was Japan not confronting our center backs and almost daring them to pass it into midfield. How do you break something like that? Well, your center backs progress the ball with their feet on the dribble and draw players out. Uh, and neither Aaron Long or Walker Zimmerman or even really Mark McKenzie, that, that's not really their strength. I think Mark McKenzie's a ball player. Uh, but Eric Palmer Brown, for me, is, is both a ball player and a, and a player who is good on the dribble and, and I think could, could really be a difference against a team that is unwilling to confront center backs. Just, just show me some soccer that I like. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I just, I just want to watch some, some nice, pretty goal-scoring soccer. Yes, that'll never happen. Probably need to change my expectations. Um, I know that Mark Delgado can definitely come in and do and do the job if if uh, if the players currently here. They're lucky, dude. I tweeted this today, and and honestly, honestly, Samir, you asked me what I want from the Saudi Arabia game. Here's what I want: just once, I want to be happy, even if that means me proven wrong about things I know. Right? Even if that means Aaron Long having the greatest ball playing game of his life. I want to be happy and proven wrong rather than be sad at the result, but yet feeling vindicated, feeling like I was right. That's what I want. Happy and wrong for sad and right. You're asking too much. So am I. I don't want to be right. I want to be happy. Damn it. Yeah. Like we all said, don't care who's out there. Just give me some success. Just give me some cohesion. Just give me some some creativity and we've seen it at times just want to you know this is an important game this is the last one a performance here could go a long way to having confidence in the world cup ending against saudi arabia with a loss another two nothing loss and looking poor oh to tell me that you know the entire you know group is just going to be at its utmost confidence going in is just not going to happen and i don't think it's going to happen might not happen now even if we win but this could go a long way to being like, all right, you know, that, that Japan game, we were off it. it was, we were, everybody was off it, and the tactics were shite. But Saudi Arabia is a big chance to go into November. It's the last opportunity we got with some, some confidence and some belief. I agree. I agree. And I'll be watching, and I will be repping. You got it. Um, anything else you want to mention, Samir, before we wrap it up for the night? No. I'm still mad that Chelsea doesn't play until October 3rd, but besides that, no. Or October 2nd. 
Yeah, the international break. Here, you know, we we here at Over the Bar love the international break, but we're also seething inside that we can't watch our 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 personal clubs. Um, all I want to do after a U.S. performance like that is is you know watch some slick Liverpool football. But here we are. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on Over the Bar. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed our discussion about the game today. Hopefully, we have a better discussion when we play Saudi Arabia next week. But we will see you all for a game breakdown then. Again, our next podcast is not going to be the, the weekly podcast. It's going to be a breakdown of the game, and we'll try to get back onto a weekly schedule after that. But When's the next game? When's, when's, uh, when's Saudi Arabia again? Tuesday? It's either Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay. Um, I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to do that. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday. Don't use us for like you know information and stuff. Use us for analysis. Um, I don't know what time to be at work tomorrow. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on the bar, and we will catch you later. Ciao, everybody.